How are you feeling with that? Uh, great. Doing great. Um, prednisone and a little uh, gummy bear works great. Prednisone. I like prednisone. They gave me that for my torn uh, stuff. I have the uh, pneumonia. Oh, fantastic. So, all right. Here we are. And uh, St. Patrick's Day is next weekend. So, Joe, you got something for next for the St. Patrick's Day, don't you? I, I have a lot to say about it. I got a lot of good stuff here for everyone. Um, talk. I want to talk about some of my uh, uh, favorite St. Patrick's Day movies, music. And we're here to talk about the water of life. That's whiskey. We're talking about Bushmills today. Yep, I got my nips. And uh, before we get started, I just want to say, you guys know this, got an email regarding our show that we're 202 out of I don't know how many on Apple Podcasts. So whoever's out there listening, thank you. I know there's a lot of shows up there. 202. Yeah, right. There are, I know there are shows out there that are uh, better put together and more cohesive and a lot more sober, but we are not broadcasters. We're blue-collar guys that never went to any sort of broadcasting school. So that fact that we even got this far is incredible. So thank you. And now for Joe. Go ahead, Joe. That means that means we've been smart enough not to waste our money on broadcast school when you can do this off of your laptop. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Take that, everybody else. So yeah. let's just in, let's just intro the whiskey that we're having today. We're having Bushmills, founded in 1608. Um, this is a classic Irish whiskey, and I think it's it's very popular. If you go into a bar, they're more than not going to have Bushmills. A lot of people say Jameson first. Jameson's a fine whiskey, but I would like to try something a little different. So I'm having some Bushmills today. And uh, as far as tasting notes go, uh, you're supposed to be able to taste a vanilla caramel, a sugar prune, honey, or an oatmeal cookie. This is a blended whiskey. What's the note? It does have malted barley. One of the differences between Irish whiskey and scotch is that scotch is twice distilled. Irish whiskey is tripled still. So there's more distill distillation. It's good. Off, off of the nose, it's definitely got a, a very strong honeyed aroma. Hmm. Uh, I don't... Uh... I don't quite smell that. I'm starting to think that uh, my nose and taste buds have been affected by the old uh, COVID nerve damage from a couple of years back now. Yep, that's very true. That could be a possibility. But I can it might mean that you have to retra- we have to retrain them. And there's nothing better to retrain your taste buds and your sense of smell than whiskey. Training like... <laughs> To an Irish ballad while I fucking drink whiskey all day long. 100%. Uh, and I'm joining in today. I have a, a red blend, a little red wine from Fritz. Uh, a little strong on the nose. And uh, it's good for you. Cool. Now this is okay because you actually do make wine. So 
we'll have to we'll have to review your made wine come the fall. Dude, I'm telling uh, yes. Uh, I think um, I, I definitely think that I could drink um, through my stock at home and have uh, plenty of time to make some more. Now, since we're reviewing Irish whiskey, I think it's only proper we talk about next weekend, next Friday, is St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And I want to talk about a classic Irish movie with none other than John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. It was, oh, yeah. Now, it was released. Your first name, Marion. I don't know. <laughs> I think it true? was. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> well, I guess I guess that's what you got to do. You got to become a cowboy if that's the kind of name you have. Yeah, yeah. Maureen, good to go. <laughs> His first name was Marion. <laughs> you got to be a tough son of a bitch when you've been named after your grandmother. I think his nickname was the Duke, so he probably yeah. <laughs> he probably, probably wanted to say John. Well, the movie was <laughs> the movie was released in 1952. It's an old movie. The movie's name is The Quiet Man, and it's a classic. It's a classic movie. It's about John Wayne going back to Ireland. And he meets a woman there. He gets married. And he has all type of trouble with his in-laws. And, <laughs> and the, uh, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But I mean, I, I think as far as spoiling it, it was released in 1952. I think we could do with a couple of spoilers. I think it's very relatable to the I mean, common man. If your name is Marion, you got to keep your mouth quiet. It's just got a lot of classic humor about the Irish drinking. And at the end, there's a giant town following brawl, John Wayne and his brother-in-law. So if, if you see it on television, give it a watch. It's on Amazon Prime right now. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it on there for free. Sounds like a plan. It's a, it's a good movie. We used to watch that movie every year. It was a family affair. And uh, John Wayne, well. What a man. I have a photo of him uh, hanging up in my house. Joseph actually saw it today. You got a picture of Marion on your wall? Oh, no. John Wayne. <laughs> there's a there's no. a part there's a part in the movie where his wife leaves him in the town. He has to walk five miles home. So he takes his wife and he walks her through the countryside for five miles back to her, her brother's house. And that's where the fight starts. You take her back. She's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> like take I said, it's very relatable. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, now, another another movie I guess would be related to, to St. Patrick's Day or an Irish movie. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. <laughs> I'd say The Departed. If you haven't seen it, which I'm sure just about everybody has, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in that movie, and there actually is some good Irish music in that movie. And speaking of Irish music, I want to name a few a few songs for St. Patrick's Day. Some Irish music, well, rock music that's Irish as well. I got five here, so here we go. The first one is from the band The Black 47. 
and the song is The Big Fella. Yeah, Larry Sherwin himself. Yep. Now, the next song is from the Dropkick Murphys live on Lansdowne, but it's called The Dirty Glass. Now, a lot of this Irish music, it does have a good bit of humor to it. It has, it can, it's a funny song. So, the next song is probably the funniest Irish song I can think of. It's called The Seven Drunken Nights. What about the the Dublin Dublin Nah, that I mean, yeah, that's a Drumkick Murphy song, sure. But I tried to go a little off the base. I didn't. I wanted to give people something new. I mean, and I've heard it's, it too. Yeah, I've I've heard it. The and now something a little more classic uh, would be the Parting Glass from the High Kings. Now oh, that great you know, band, great band with that song. When they sing that song, Joseph. That's an awesome pick. Yeah, and then you know, if you're having a if you're having a drink by yourself and that comes on. I think, you ought to have yourself, I think you ought to have yourself a quiet moment of contemplation. Is it a bang or a bullet? What's that? Does it, does, it, does it rock? Does it get you going or is it a ballad? Uh, no, it's like a classic Irish folk song. Oh, and meaningful, the number... slow, slow beat. Now, the last one is Whiskey in the Jar by Finn none Liz- other than None other than Metallica on their Garage Inc. album. Originally, though, by Thin Lizzy, and I think it was a cover by Thin Lizzy as well. But Yeah. And now, the problem here is people shit on Metallica for their version, but if you listen to the Thin Lizzy version, it's pretty fucking boring. I'd rather hear Metallica grind out fucking Baby Shock any day of the week than, than some soft-ass music or the original Baby Shock. In fact... <laughs> Maybe you know, you may have just come up with a lucrative idea. If you were going to play a version of Baby Shock in a Metallica-esque way, you might have a YouTube sensation on your hands. Looking at my guitar with, uh, with stars in my eyes, like a jukebox hero, if you will. Jukebox hero. Fine song. Uh, well, how are you like? I'm switching to a red blend from Spain while you guys are enjoying your Bushmills. Are you wearing pants or not? You can see legs. I'm in shorts. No, excellent. I'm in my uh, house clothes, if, if everyone must know, sir. And we must know. Now, what do you think uh, of the Bushmills? I like it. I don't hate it. Hang on, let me uh, have another sip here. I'm also in a white T-shirt, in case anybody on the camera is interested. No. Now, Matthew, you've had Irish whiskey Very before. Smooth. You're not Very not smooth. at the moment, but how do you find Irish whiskey? Uh, Bushmills, especially, I think it has a strong nose. Uh, I would say that the the initial tongue sting. Uh, I, I would say that there is a little honey or a little bit of a maple, uh, a small small hint. Maybe even uh, a little vanilla, um, but the finish is, is good. It's a good, it's a nice crisp finish. I did get uh, the honey on the tip of the tongue just now. I did get some maple and honey. Uh, I don't. It's I don't. Vermonty. It's what? It tastes like Vermont. Uh, yeah, I think the tasting fun. notes. The tasting notes say honey and vanilla caramel. So yeah, vanilla caramel, maple. That's really close. That is, uh, yeah, it's not bad. I like it. I'm liking it. 
Now, Matt, when I think of Vermont, I think of the Vermont burger from Papa Gino's with the Vermont cheddar. Uh, sure, I'm with you. No, you're not. Uh, I, I get, I get that, but I'm thinking more like further north Vermont, uh, in the woods with all the trees tapped, pulling sap, a little maple syrup, uh, a little bit of moonshine in the woods. Uh, I'm not thinking the burger from a chain restaurant. Moonshine, as in the moonshining, or moonshine, as in some homemade whiskey. The, the homemade uh, whiskey, sir. Now, um. I've had it straight or neat, as Joe would like to say. Uh, can I add some ice to see what else it tastes like? You may. All right. I'm very interested in what you're going to think here because I've actually never had this other than neat. I'd go easy on that ice because I tell you, Irish whiskey, it drowns so fast. Two cubes Maybe of I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe in our, in our house the uh, Irish whiskey was ever um, diluted. No. No, we were never raised to drink spirits with ice, water, or otherwise. The fact that you were raised to drink yeah. spirits, though, is alarming. I kid. <laughs> no. This is a 40% alcohol, which would, which would make this 80 proof. So it isn't the strongest, but Irish, Irish whiskey is tried and true. It's not something that's going to shock you. It's not something that you're going to taste something completely different. It's a staple. That's what it is. If you go to a bar and you see what they have, they have very little. And you look behind the bar and they have Irish whiskey or Jack Daniels. Ugh. I'd probably just go with the Irish whiskey. Even if they had like a Jim Bean, I think you're better off with the Irish whiskey. Because it is going to be better than the, yeah. other, the other whiskeys I've mentioned. Yeah, with is the anybody ice? doing research of what a, a single or a double at a local uh, uh, drinking establishment would cost the average man in one of these drinks? So I'll tell you right now, the night that I got my, the night, so not last weekend, let's go back two weekends ago, went to a nice establishment up in Wyndham, New Hampshire with my wife. <clears throat> it's like a really nice place called uh, Friendly's Red Tavern. Yeah. Friendly Red's Tavern. Whatever. Red's Tavern. Uh, not Red's like on Route 1, but different yeah, kind of different Red's. Red's. It's a little hole in the wall. Um. Scratch kitchen, everything is made from scratch. Beautiful, fantastic food. I had a smash burger on Texas toast. Really good. Yeah, nachos are good. And it's really affordable considering prices these days when you go out. You know, if you used to spend 50 bucks going out to dinner and not getting a drink with your, with your wife, now you spend like maybe 72 to $80 and you still didn't get any alcohol or an appetizer. You just got your meal and a glass of water and you went the fuck home and went to bed. This place... We got two appetizers. I got a burger. She got her her meal. And then uh, to cap the night off, I had a, a ten year aged whistle pig rye on the rocks. Nice. Came in a small snifter. I, when I say small, I mean small. Fifteen bucks. Wow. It's an expensive whiskey. Yeah, yeah but they probably they're probably breaking even. Tony Walker at another restaurant. So I think the I think the the baseline here is at least that when you head up to New Hampshire, a straight, a straight, uh, straight whiskey glass, whether it's bourbon, rye, or or scotch, I think it's gonna be fifteen bucks for the most minimum pour that you'll ever get. I agree with that. That's very fair. 
Yeah. I think it's very economical to be able to have this at home as far as purchasing the bottle. I think um, you'd be better off to do so than buying a drink at a bar. But if you do go to a bar, I think you'd be happy just getting some Bushmills. I love those going- the bottle price. Well, actually, I did not get out to get the bottle, but I did have some nips here at home, so I'm using those. Yeah, I got. Um, I think a nip is. I think a nip is two ninety nine. I bought three nips down the street from my house, and I paid five ninety five. Six bucks. I looked up. How much? Five ninety seven. So roughly six bucks for the three nips. Oh, so they're two dollars a piece. That's really not bad. They don't have the it's full size glass nip as well. Yeah, it's not nip's price. Now Bushmills has the uh, Bushmills regular, Bushmills ten year single malt, and Bushmills Black Bush. Ooh! Uh, they also do a Peaky Blinders Irish whiskey, and a twelve year single, a sixteen year. Um, what are, what are we drinking tonight, Joseph? And I'll, I can give you a, a more accurate price. We have the original. This is the original. This is the basic Bushmills. Literally, I've had the, the Bushmills uh, Black Bush. It's pretty good. Uh, let's get the price on the seven fifty. Uh, Twenty-two ninety-nine, and that's uh, local to the North Shore. That's it's not bad at all. Yeah, it's not bad. I looked up a cocktail recipe to use this Bushmills if you want to use it in a cocktail. Uh, it's called a Tom Collins. Oh, you one of my use- favorites. You could use one and a half ounce of Bushmills, one pot of lemon juice, one pot simple syrup, two pots club soda, a maraschino cherry, and an orange slice. It's almost an old-fashioned. Yeah. Uh, almost an old-fashioned. But that particular recipe, if you substitute the Bushmills for vodka, also makes a very good martini. And at most restaurants, we'd call that a lemon drop. Oh, very good. Uh. I think we, I think Joe and I have an opinion on that, but we're going to shut up. <laughs> you think that's not a manly drink? No. Well, you have the Tom Collins is Irish whiskey, and I believe, in my opinion, a lemon drop, if you substitute the vodka and drop out the maraschino sherry, you have a great lemon drop. One day, I'm going to, on here, make a vitamin C blackout. Back when I was a bouncer, about 12 years ago, I got an odd night off. I went up to the bartender, who I was good friends with, and I said, hey, I want a drink. I want it to taste like lemonade. I do not want to taste alcohol, but I want to get fucked up. We experimented that night because it was a slow night. It was raining, and this was an outdoor patio place. And, you know, you could bring your boat up to it. It's not, here. It's not there anymore. Shame. The owner ran it into the ground. He had a gold mine, and he fucked it. It tasted, by the time he and I were done, you thought you were drinking a country time lemonade with so much alcohol in it Whoa, that boy. the third one, I was driving home, two in the morning, on Lynn Marsh Road. And you remember in the old TVs at the Rabbit Ears, you'd have the lines going across? That was my vision, driving home. The road, was, the road was at road level. It was about above the dashboard. It was at the rearview mirror. And it was at the... The header headline, the, the header area. I saw four roads going horizontally across my vision. I 
Don't know how I made it home that night because there's water on either side of that road. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. Now, another thing about the Irish is uh, a great man, the inventor of psychoanalysis, Sigmund Freud, said the Irish have no use for psychotherapy. Allegedly. Allegedly. It's true. It's possibly not true. Now, as far as as far as St. Patrick goes, it said that the meaning of St. Patrick's Day is that of St. Patrick introducing Christianity to Ireland. I thought he chased the snake to Ireland. Right, exactly. They say he chased the snakes out of violence. So there's a lot of different myths. There's also another one that says that he he he's, he taught the Holy Trinity using the shamrock. And you know what? When you're learning something, a visual aid, especially a shamrock, if you can learn something from it, I think it's worthwhile. Well, how did he get away with the four-leaf clover? The four-leaf clover is said to uh, be the only thing that can catch a leprechaun. If you want to catch a leprechaun, you need to trap him with a four-leaf clover. And then he has to give you his pot of gold. So you make a, uh, a, a half a dozen leprechauns laugh. You let him if I ever... The grass. If I ever get a dog, I want to name it Rainbow so that I can tell everyone, follow Rainbow and pick up what he drops. It's not your average pot of gold. (laughs) (sighs) That is the downside to owning a dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've I've recently reclaimed my lawn back, and I'm enjoying it. But you must Uh, have a dog, no? Say that again? You must miss the dog, though. Uh, I miss the dog more than the ex-wife. Does that, does that say anything? Yeah, the dog was awesome. <laughs> uh, but that's all right. I regained my lawn. I'll take it. I'm going to walk out there barefoot this year with no, uh, no worries stepping in a landmine. <laughs> I know, right? It's like I remember one time when my parents were house shopping. We went to check out this house up in uh, West Peabody. And already walking up to the door, you can see this place was a shithole. You walk in every surface, every like door jam, window frame had been chewed on by these two monster dogs. And top it all off, there was landmines in the carpet in that house. And then you look at the yard and you could not, could not walk out there. And when we walked out, and the, and the realtor says to my dad, what do you think? My dad goes, I think you should burn the house down. <laughs> my dad didn't mince words. You know that. Your parents did have a, uh, a, a magic with descriptions. <laughs> yes, this is true. So, what are one time? One thing about the Irish whiskey is that it is it's very smooth. It's I, I tell you, most all of them are very smooth and not harsh. It's it's the perfect accompaniment if you want to do some serious drinking. If you want to have a Guinness and an Irish whiskey, or even a beer and an Irish whiskey, the grain and the grain goes very well together. Yeah, you can't go wrong. If you, if you don't mix, you're not going to get yourself sick. 
You can drink whiskey and beer because they're both grain, but you can't drink wine and whiskey. You can't mix the grape and the grain. Yep. Get yourself into a little bit of trouble. That way. A funny story about the grape and the grain. Uh, that's why the Italians invented grappa because then you're drinking the grape with the grape, which is uh, grappa is the fermented grape stems and distilled into a clear liquid. Did you know yeah, that, you know, sir? Yeah, you know, that the grappa is actually very good. I like that. We could definitely go there with this. Yeah, I think that's right up to Sally. I think, uh, you know, it's it's really a culture change. The Irish whiskey, what do they do? How do they make that in Ireland? Okay, well, how do you do that in Italy? Well, they get a thousand uh, grape stems. What do you do with that? And that's where the uh, distillation and grappa uh, pot came from. I wonder if Carlos ever had grappa. He's real Maybe. Italian. He, he's real Italian. He can speak uh, it. We're just I. We're just Irish. We're just drunks. Yeah, we're just drunks. It's not yeah. like we can speak. Well, you you took Italian. Do you remember any of your Italian from high school? Uh, just basically. Um, how to ask where the bathroom is. I I you just do. somehow I thought it went something like Poso and Dare El Gabinetto, but I could be totally wrong. <laughs> you know, that could be like, excuse me, where is the toilet seat? I couldn't I would know. I've never tried it. I've never experimented with it. Yeah. But I, uh... I, in all in all the years of Italian class that I took the only thing that seemed important is if you drop me in Italy, I'd need to know where the bathroom is. So that's true. I didn't. I didn't pick anything else up. Uh, our Italian growing up was mostly uh, uh, to the Bacausen. My grandfather would call it the Bacausen, the back house. Where do you take a pichat? Uh, and I, I don't know. I've never seen any of these, any of those words in the uh, in the Italian vernacular. But, you know what's uh, funny last... is 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 when you get about to midlife, you start to have your midlife crisis and you start to think about your culture, and that's when you start to think that maybe like oh I'm Italian like I make the best meatballs and sauce or I'm Irish I'm gonna you know listen to the Irish who could drink whiskey and I think that I think that sums up my expertise. The interest it basically just drives the whole thing. So. Yeah. That's where it comes from. I'm just interested in it. You know, what can you do? You can only research it. And I think as far as, as Irish whiskey goes, that's about as close as you can really get to Irish culture. <laughs> They're not famous for much food. Unless you want to have uh, corned beef and cabbage, which if you have corned beef and cabbage, you really only have it around St. Patrick's Day. It's not something where you indulge in it many times of the year. It's not something that the average uh, average man cholesterol or uh, blood pressure could handle either. You remember the time we thought we'd cut corners and cook it in the pressure cooker, but we didn't realize that it wasn't going to draw the salt out of the beef, and it just we had a very tender corned beef, but the salt was really present in, in the meat. I think if I was to do it in the pressure cooker again, I think I would uh, boil it for a small amount of time maybe 20 or 30 minutes free, then drain it out, dry it out, and then put it into the pressure cooker under pressure with the, you know, your standard turnips and 
parsnips uh, and carrots and stuff like that. I think I would I would pre-rinse a little bit because I agree with him. That was almost inedible for salt. The the boiled dinner is actually very good if you take it as a leftover and you microwave it. It's it's boiled and it has a good amount of moisture with it. Now, what some people don't know is when you do a boiled dinner, you actually boil it, change the water, and reboil it. Uh, you do that a few times to remove the salt from the piece of beef. If you have it really rolling boiling, wouldn't the water evaporate? So adding water would do that as well? Correct. Adding water, if your stove is powerful enough versus the pot that you're making it in, 100%, uh, you could get a rolling boil and um, just keep adding water. Yeah. Now, are the raviolis at Costco in the shape of shamrocks, are they really Irish or is that more Italian? Um, the ravioli is, uh, is an Italian pasta, uh, originally then, you know, imported to everybody else. And Costco actually, um, the distributor for that is a local pasta shop and, um, uh, they only make those once a year. They change the cutters and they make the raviolis in the, uh, uh the dual color. Now, what about the Kerrygold butter? Is that the best butter anyone could ever buy? Uh, well, I thought so. I would have said yes. Uh, last week or the week before, a, uh, a good friend of ours, a family member, gave us the Kirkland version of Kerrygold. And I don't know if you've ever had that, but um, very good. And, and the salt content was, was a little different than the Kerrygold. But I, I, think it was, I think it was very good for the money. If times are tough, the Costco... Uh, grass fed is equal. Now the Kerrygold is it from Irish cows? Do you think? I think it's an Irish process. I think a portion of Kerrygold is uh, an Irish cow and Irish milk, but I I do believe that they import that. Um, you know they do a little import, but I think it's mostly uh, an Irish process. Now, what about the Dubliner cheese? That is from Kerrygold. How do you rate that? Uh, I believe they have two versions, the yellow package. And do they have another one? Is it a white package? Yeah, it's the reserve. I think it's, it's further black. aged. It might be a black. I agree. I like the regular Dubliner cheese on a club cracker. Uh, As do I. Also, recently, uh, a very, so you do the club cracker, a thin uh, layer of mustard then a piece of cheese. Uh, I think that's the, my new favorite. Wow, excellent. How's that wine Spicy going? Mustard. Wine is great. I'm on to my uh, last one here. Uh, it's a Bordeaux from... Uh, uh, this is a product of France. Uh, red wine, product of France, 2021 vintage. Now, what exactly... I mean, you had France, then you went to Spain, then you went back to France. Yeah, that's like a, a Europe. Now, what kind of wines are those? Is it uh, Cabernet? Is it? Well, uh, the first two were red blends. Red blend has a mix of um, Saint Genovese, uh, Ganache, uh, Merlot. It has to be at least twenty-two percent Merlot to be counted as a red blend. 
so usually they end up uh, a local factory, you know, they would mix whatever they have left with 22% of Merlot, and they would then remarket all that as a red blend. Now, when you make wine, what kind of wine grapes do you look for? Uh, I look for, uh, if I'm looking for grapes, I look for very, I squeeze them between my fingers. You want them to be tacky, almost like a grape jelly. And then you taste it and you want it to taste sweet and smell sweet. And a little trick that I learned from an old greaser, a guinea from way back, is that when you go to buy the grapes, if there's bees flying around the grapes, you know the sugar content is high, and that's the grape that you buy. You let the bees choose for you. That's pretty good. Now, what about adding white grapes to red grape wine, uh, blending them that way? Is, have you ever done that? I, I actually have, yeah. I, I made a white Moscato, and I made the wine, and, uh, you know, was crushing the grapes, and I like to try the raw grape after it's been through the grinder and see whether, and I test it for the sugar and the density of the liquid, and that can tell me, uh, based on that number, I can get a pretty good idea on my own, you know, homemade chart here. It's pretty, you know, everybody has their own chart, but. Uh, I can pretty much tell you what the finishing alcohol would be. So I did the, the white wine, and I didn't like where the sugar was. I, I just didn't like the taste of the white wine. So I added those 12 cases in with the red uh, at the same time. And that, yeah, I think the wine came out very good. It wasn't a rosé type of light color, but it was, it was a lighter of, a, of the red. Now, making wine is a, is a few-week process at the beginning, but then as it has to age for a few weeks. So, but the first two weeks are really the critical ones. You usually start on one Saturday, and you do the next part of the process on the following Saturday. What's Correct. the first part? Buying the grapes. First day, first Saturday, we always did it on a weekend. The first weekend, we'd go first thing on a Saturday, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and buy the grapes from the, from the market and bring the grapes home and then by six o'clock you're home with all the grapes they're out of the truck and we would start to crush and run them through the grinder on the first saturday then every night after that you're pressing uh with a stick inside of the buckets of the ground up grapes and you're pushing the the head of the grapes the dried grapes that float out of the liquid you're pushing it back in then the following week seven days of that you scoop all that up and you put it into the wine press. And uh, we had a 45 liter wine press. Um, we got it from Arthur Hausman years ago, uh, imported from Italy. And um, we would fill the wine press on the following Saturday. Uh, and that was another first thing in the morning. And then all day you, you crank in the press a little tighter, a little tighter until you're all done with all the stuff. And, and then once you press it, and then what do you do after that? You press it, you keep it in the in the barrels? Yeah, you press it, and then you put it into uh, 16 and a half gallon demijohns or one gallon containers or, you know, whatever. Larger, larger format glassware, uh, usually five gallons, six and seven gallons, and then 16 and a half, uh, 15 and a half, which is the Cowboys. Uh, and then you let it boil. And, it, you know, all the effervescence and carbonation come out of it. All the yeast eats the sugar. And then 
That would be in September when this process would start. Now we're talking three weeks into September, almost into October. So you have all of October, all of November, December, January, February, March, March, April, May, I think you start tasting it and seeing where you're at. And then you, based on your taste, if you want to take it early, you get a sweeter wine, you get almost a dessert wine. If you want to wait and let it ferment in the glass for longer, then you get uh, a, a, a stronger of a wine and very mellow, I, in my opinion, towards the end of the fermentation process. Now, what about racking the wine? You used to rack the wine and you even had a filtration process. Yep, we would run all the wine through uh, a racking process, as Joe mentioned, is uh, you put the wine in the 16 and a half gallon, a uh, 15 and a half gallon cowboy. You let it sit for maybe three weeks to a month. You watch the sediment settle. And then at that point, when you re-rack, you drain out the clear wine at the top of the container and then leave the dirty wine at the bottom of the container. And then what we used to do is filter the clean wine coming off the top, and then we would filter all the dirty wine off the bottom. And we would get you know, as, mu as much product at the end as we possibly could. Yeah, you'd use different glassware where you have the majority of the cleaner wine into one, and then you'd go for filtering out some of the wine that the sediment was in, and it would be a different thing. You'd, you'd, you'd claim that as, as some of the wine that was more sedimented. Yeah, and at the end, we were, we were filtering, and uh, this is, I don't know, three years ago since the last time we made it, uh, two years ago, <clears throat> before COVID, we would refilter everything and make it into a mixed batch, and then that whole batch would be then bottled, and while we were bottling, I was... Um, recirculating, so we we're actually getting a full blend the entire time we were bottling. And um, we, at that point, two years ago, pre-COVID, uh, the last time me and my friends made it, I think we made uh, 50 or 60 cases of wine. How much wine would that make in gallons and then possibly in bottles? Uh, well, in bottles, Let's say we made 50 or 55, uh, that would be 55 cases of wine, and it's 12 bottles to a case, and each bottle is 750. Um, so you'd have 12 bottles to a case times 52 cases. I can't do that math off the top of my head here, but 50 times 12 is a hell of a lot of bottles. But you'd keep some in like a, a gallon jug or even a five-gallon jug, and so... You wouldn't have to bottle it. You could just taste the wine off of some of the bottles or some of those jugs as well, right? Yeah, we would uh, we would bottle some. Guys, I had to take. I agree. Some would be in uh, one gallon, and uh, we used to do the three gallon and the five gallon was for the finish like that. Excellent. I so think it's important doing? to have that process out there. Maybe people can listen to this podcast if they really want to learn something about whiskey, but also learn about the process of making wine. And if you go ahead and you look at something like that on the internet, it could be confusing, but um, if, you do, if you do talk to Matthew, he has it down. You get the whole process. 
Nice. Do a video series uh, over a course of time uh, for the wine process, uh, mid-September, and then a, a monthly or a, a bi-monthly, uh, just as an update. And then um, this summer, we could also do a limoncello. I could talk about my uh, limoncello uh, recipe, and uh, we could do a little uh, video post of that on Instagram. Yeah, hell yeah. That'd be good. Too. Make it better Limoncello than my is an essential, essential drink for the summer. I, I think it is. If you you know you feel like a little bit of a drink, the vodka doesn't look as great as you want. You substitute the vodka or the gin uh, for the for a little limoncello, and I think you you know you'd probably be in for one good drink and you're done for the day. Nice. Didn't you invent a drink almost by accident? It was basically lemonade, vodka, and olives. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I I don't know how I ended up that day, but. Uh, I actually forgot about that. It was country time, regular lemonade. Uh, oh, boy, that was a good drink. I enjoyed it. It was lemonade, vodka, and olives with garlic, garlic uh, olives. I am a fan of the garlic olives. I don't like the blue cheese in my drinks. I don't like any of the shit in my olives. That's what olives in my drink. It was practically a summer meal. <laughs> you could yeah, almost many, you could you could almost survive on it, you know? I, you just I, take I everything you need out of it. Yeah, I apologize. Wine, cheese, garlic stuffed olives. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if there's a good way to drink vodka. If you drink vodka any on way, like lemonade and olives, I think that's just about as good as vodka deserves. I mean, people make dirty martinis. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but uh, you, you're using mostly products that people, like who just drinks uh, uh, pickle juice, left, leftover pickle juice? Hangover remedy. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I never said, oh, I have this leftover pickle juice. Let me make a few dirty martinis. No, Aren't you're you supposed to splash that on a ham them. sandwich? You are, you are. A little ham cold cut deserves a little pickle, a little pickle uh, juice. You know, actually, uh, a, a good friend of mine uh, takes the pickles out of the jar, puts them on a napkin, and they dry the pickles. Uh, I don't want to call that person out, but I, I don't, I've never done that. I take them out of the jar, a little drippy, right into the cold cut sandwich. You're good to go. I'd call them out. I'd call them out really quick. <laughs> that's that's criminal. That's criminal what they're doing with those pickles. <laughs> somebody, um, somebody call the FBI. <laughs> I've never, uh, pickle abuse. <laughs> the federal pickle inspectors. Yeah. <laughs> could, could be careful. Be a female pickle inspector. I don't know, but hopefully she doesn't What's show up. up. Trying to make sure I'm not drying off my pickles, or maybe they're making sure I am. All right, my final nip of uh, Bushmills. Here we go. It's not a bad scotch. Is it a scotch or is it a... I mean, it is a scotch, right? No, it's an uh, Irish whiskey. whiskey. It's not a scotch. Interesting, interesting. All right, now I learned something. I thought it might have been a scotch. No, no, this is an Irish whiskey. And if you ask any, if you ask any Irishman, Irish whiskey is the best. If you ask any Scotsman, the Scottish, the scotch is the best. I have to say, I land on the scotch side. I hate to say yeah. it. Well, what are you going to do? I, I'd rather have a glass of wine. So that's why we're Irish and Italian. I think Joseph got all the Irishmen, and I got all the uh, Italian. 
Yeah, but you both look like a pair of Irishmen to me. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I most emphatically can grow in a full beard here. Just because I choose not to uh, doesn't mean that I can't be a hairy Italian like yourself. I do have quite the beard. I can see your chest hair sticking out from where your arms go in your tank top and where your neck comes from. Do not but, fool me. Yeah, I do wear the tank tops. As I said, I am Italian. Now, no, Italian. Um, you speak Italian, right? I speak a weird dialect of Italian. It's like a broken Italian. If you've ever seen The Godfather 2, when De Niro is talking at the table, that's the Italian that I speak. Now, if I was is to that, watch it on TV, like full on what my father watches, I couldn't understand the fucking thing. There's no. Is that how you learned it from that movie? No, I learned it from my grandmother. <laughs> my grandmother and my dad. My they neither one of them can speak English all that well. Now the only Italian I learned was from high school. Now the only thing I ever learned to say was, now I'm going to say it. You tell me if this makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. Posso andare al gabinetto? No idea what the fuck you just said. <laughs> so, about, so, about, so what uh, they told me in school was on, that was. Excuse me, where is the bathroom? Was that? Could I go to the bathroom? I think yes. it was. Yes. <laughs> All right, because so you're saying in, about it. Oh, so how could I ask? Excuse me, sir. Where is the bathroom in Italy? I I need to know that. That's all the Italian I ever need to know. You just did it. What's that? You just that was it? Yeah, that was it. Because I, I, I remember my grandmother and my dad would call the toilet the gabinetto. Me? I, I would just translate. That's what I do when I got a Portuguese guy on site, the taper. That's how we talk. I can't fucking understand what he's saying. He can't understand me. I point at something, say it into my phone, I show him, and he goes, ah! And he goes and he patches the hole that we made. See, that's all I ever learned in Italian is exactly where is the bathroom. And you know what? I honestly, I think I have to use some hand motions or something like that to really push that across. Now, here's a question. No. Did Google Translate, have you ever used Google Translate? And do you think Google Translate has ruined us if we have to travel outside of the country to, to a resort, let's say, or maybe we, you know, uh, we're not going there for fun, but if we went to a resort, would Google Translate work if we went off the reservation? No. I mean, maybe like I went when I went to Cancun last year. People, the people down there spoke a pretty, pretty good English. You know, they they didn't, they didn't, um, they, they, they didn't try to speak Spanish to us. Or when I went to Aruba, they, there was people with accents, but they had very, a very good, very educated grasp of English. I mean, you get enough yeah. tourists, so time you're eventually going to learn the language, or maybe they spent some time in the U.S. And so, yeah, that's that's probably a good point. It's uh, you know, a lot of these resorts have uh, American and American speaking people. But you're right, they've and their their accent is in most cases much different than ours with the Boston accent. Yeah, speaking of the Boston accent, so I think it was about uh, 2011, <clears throat> 2012 when the when it was it was 11 because the Bruins were making a made the run for the cup and they won. I went to a Red Sox game with some of the some of the, my friends. Some of them you know, some you don't. And uh, it was the game where the Chicago Cubs were playing at Fenway for the first time in 100 years or so. Okay. And we were in line to go to our seats. And in front of us was a couple. 
And so, you know, being from Revere, we have a really thick accent, which I've kind of lost a little bit living up here in Haverhill. But I, I catch myself and I have to remember that I'm not from here. Yeah, the Revere <laughs> accent. Got it. I love it. And it's I miss using it. But um, no, there was this couple from Toronto. And they turned around and they heard me talking to my friend Sal. And the lady goes, oh, my God, you sound just like the departed. Can you tell my husband off in, in Bostonian? Well, unfortunately. Did you just hit him? Oh, no. <laughs> he got what he wanted. But the thing was, it wasn't a joke. We, he was annoyed. This kid, Sal, was genuinely annoyed. And he gave them what they wanted. He didn't mince words. And they, 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 they started to film him, and then they stopped. <laughs> good there we are any more Man, uh, I, think, I think we've done it i think we've think all so? pretend i think some of us have pretended to be irish for long enough and um i certainly drink whiskey like an irishman yeah and uh i just want to say that uh irish whiskey is probably not as good as scotch i'm gonna go ahead and say that i gotta weigh in yeah I like it. I don't hate it. You know, I'm always going to be a bourbon guy. It's definitely not better than bourbon, right? It's softer than bourbon. Bourbon's pretty harsh. Yeah, bourbon is pretty hardcore. I got to say, our American spirit, we did well. Mm. I have a rant here about... Are you going to use it or are you going to save it for next time? I think I'll save it for next time. I got a lot of access to grind, yeah. but it's irrelevant to today. Let's keep today light. Let's keep today loose. You know, I had to. Run, I had an emergency upstairs, so I lost my momentum. Um, I think we did well. I think we talked about Bushmills. We represented it. We talked about St. Patrick's Day. Give those songs a listen, and if you like to hear, if you want me to talk more about some Irish songs, I have plenty more. We can keep on going with that. Yeah. Um, it's actually a little late today, but next weekend, the Irish weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, you can listen to Irish music on AM 950, uh, also on iHeartRadio. Um, you can get that uh, for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and then everybody is Irish. That's W-R-O-L, right? It <laughs> is, in fact, yep. Nah, I'm still Italian. <laughs> Well, would you listen to the Irish music I said? I think you have to. You're, you're, you have to by law. Yeah, I mean, sure. The podcast law demands you do. Then you can go back to that Yanni and the Mira CD I heard you talking about the other day, driving around. That was you, buddy. No, that yeah. was you. You're driving around town listening to Yanni and the Mira. I don't drive around town. Gas is too expensive, and my new truck doesn't is not easy on the wallet. Yeah, you know, I don't even think they sell Yanni CDs at the flea market because I don't think the flea market exists anymore. I don't have a uh, CD player in the truck. No, I don't. Nah. Nobody does. No, I don't see why you'd need one. Do you have one well, at home? Might... Hmm? Do you have a CD player at home? No. I'm, I'm... Well, you said you buy CDs. I do, but now my wife just takes them away from me and says we don't need cluttering junk. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, there you go, You can put them on the wall. They take up no space. Well, there you go, kids. When you say I do, your wife says I don't. No, you don't. You don't. (laughs) There comes the the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and then the suffering. So I think that's... I think that's that's truer now than it ever has been. I what I want right now, what I want to say, is I did have a rant prepared about the Gen Xers and the Boomers because they blame us for everything. And how can they blame us for everything when they raised us? Well, as a Boomer, I think it's you're not a Boomer. You're, you're not a Boomer. You're <laughs> look We're up not Boomers brain. either. Huh? We're not boomers either. No, we're millennials. We were. No, no, no. We're millennials. They blame us for everything without realizing. We're old. 50s and 60s. Yeah. We're old millennials. Yeah, we're almost 40. No, no. I'm, I'm going to save the rant. I'm going to save it. But what I will say is, you people are next. Oh, I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, I'm still young because I can ice skate. So, you know what? As long as I hold on to that, I have my youth. Right? I got uh, yeah. today. Well, no, I feel nice. very young. No, what I was going at with the um that attack is I want to know from you people out there, who whoever is listening, I want to know what you want to hear us talk about. What can we what do you want to hear us feature? What do you want to hear us talk about? What do you want to what do you want to know? And you can let us know on our Instagram, you know, just search up the Whiskey Rocks podcast. You can go on Twitter at Whiskey Rocks Pod. Um I think on Spotify, I put a thing on there where you can reply or post a comment or a question. Because I looked at, I can see the age range of the people that listen to us. And it's nobody under the age of 30. Nobody under 30 is listening to us. It's people from. Well, we need, we need them to. I mean, we need them to learn about whiskey. I mean, it's not, a, it's not an old man drink. It's for everyone. No, but what they also need to learn if they're under 30 is they need to learn that when you come to work, you fucking come to work. You don't hang out on your phone. And that's another thing I got to, another bone I got to pick. I'm picking on everybody. I'm fucking tired of this shit. Hey, kid, you want to be cool? Don't you order some mixed drink or something with an umbrella? You order yourself a whiskey. You want to learn how to drink that thing? You tune into this podcast. We'll tell you how to do it. And you know what? If you want to, buy yourself a bottle at home. Keep on drinking it till you don't make a face. Then go to a bar and do it in front of your friends. They'll think you're something. Yeah, and if you're a problem alcoholic, then don't do it at all. No, if you're a problem alcoholic, do it. But just buy it in a plastic bottle so that, you know, you don't raise the price or anything like that or diminish the supply of something decent. (laughs) Plastic bottle. You can go down to the Seagirls. Yeah. But in all recycle. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you're recycling your empty bottles. At least throw them in the recycle bin because when the recycling man comes and he takes that and they hit the bottom of that metal pan, then you know you've done your job for the environment. Yeah, if you make the loudest, if you have the loudest recycle bin that they empty on the street, then I think you're pot Irish, right? Well, like I said, I want to hear from the audience. I want to know what they think, what they want. I think we can. I think we can push things. I think we can go beyond just talking about whiskey and being being a little silly here and there. I want to know what they want to know from us. What do you think we should do? Because I know what we can. I know what we can do. I don't want to. Uh, I do want to offend people because if you're offended, you deserved it. I'm but trying to tell them what they need to know. I I'm want to bring. I'm trying to bring them up. No, no, you're right. But I want to knock them down because, as we say, you got to let them know. 
Well, you got to break them down before you can build them up. Yeah. And that goes for everyone. That goes for the old people that are still stuck on uh, their old ways. That goes for the young people that think that they're entitled to everything without working for it. I'm angry. I'm in a bad fucking mood on a daily basis, and you people are going to hear about it eventually, sooner than later, maybe next week. If you think Jameson's the best Irish whiskey, make sure you try some Bushmills, and then really question yourself whether you were right or wrong. Right. And that's that. Have fun next weekend. And, Throw out the uh, J&B. Yep. <laughs> What'd you say? Drop the J&B? Throw out the J&B. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram, the Whiskey Rocks Podcast. Check us out on the Instagram of the Whiskey Rocks Podcast. I'll be posting pictures of the smoked pork butt I did today. Whiskey Rocks Pod at Twitter. Uh, I think we have a YouTube channel. We do have a YouTube channel. The Whiskey Rocks Podcast on the YouTube channel as well. Let us know. Yeah, I know, right? Let us know what you want. Let us know what you think. We can take it. We're not softies. We don't have blue hair and we don't work at Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs>